Otters, Connor McDavid. From the London Knights, Mitch Marner. From the Western Hockey League's Brandon Wheat Kings, Nolan Patrick. This is Tracking the Draft with Craig Button. He checks an enormous amount of boxes. Nobody in this draft did more with less. I absolutely love him. It's not his skills that anybody's concerned about. It's that playing attitude. And quite frankly, it's really poor. Speeding towards the future of the NHL. From the U.S. Development Program, Jacob Truba. From Faryastad of the Swedish Elite League, Jonas Brodin. From the Boston U Terriers, Brady Kachuk. He could play in the NHL next year. He's one of those guys. Here's your host, Dean Millard. Hello there and welcome to episode three of Tracking the Draft with Craig Button. The stars of tomorrow are discovered here. And today, as usual, I'll be joined by the director of scouting for TSN, uh, the author of The Craigslist, to, to go over some top shelf talent, the next wave, time machine trivia, and more. So, top shelf talent today is Tim Stitzla from Mannheim. And this is a guy who has rocketed up the charts. Like, it's been incredible to watch the rise. On the next wave, Oliver Ocular out of the Lethbridge Hurricanes and Ryan O'Rourke from the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds. In Time Machine, your hint is a former BU Terrier compared to a guy who's heading to Harvard that is up for this year's draft. In our uh, trivia segment, we will be looking at German draft history. And of course, Craig will join us on the UFFS hotline. Check out uffsports.com. You can become a scout, track the same players like Craig Button does, make some money when they're auctioned off to team owners like myself, and develop a reputation. You want to be a scout? Join us at uffsports.com. All right, uh, if there was uh, any news made after Tuesday this week, uh, it's not going to be in this episode. Uh, when you're downloading this on uh, Thursday, if you're doing it on Thursday, I will be at a campsite. So I prepackaged the show this week. So if anything happened after Tuesday that uh, was big news, that's why you're not going to hear it right here but the draft has been tentatively set for october 9th and 10th it's a friday and saturday it will be online and who owns the number one pick owns owns will be known august 10th after the play-in tournament which i still have a problem with i'm very sorry but i do not think that a, a team should get a chance at the playoffs and a chance at what is now the first overall pick. If you're in the play-in tournament, I don't think you should be eligible for the lottery in the first overall pick. You know, I just don't think it should happen, but it is. So whatever. Uh, just wanted to make my uh, thoughts known. So that draft, will it's, it'll be like that Sidney Crosby draft after the lockout. Uh, it'll be very low-key, but obviously... Uh, some high-end players. One of them we're going to talk about uh, here on the show today. Uh, the AJHL announced their tentative schedule uh, this week, as other leagues are starting to do or have done. The WHL announced theirs in mid-June, uh, hoping to get underway October 2nd. Uh, they also, which may have uh, gone under the radar a little bit, announced a new streaming service that will be league-wide, CHL league-wide. So, you know, I, I don't know a lot of details, but I'm hoping it'll be like, oh, 
I want to watch um, a London Knights game tonight. Boom. If I have a season pass for the CHL, which I'm sure would be available, which would be great for those of you scouting in the ultimate franchise fantasy sports platform, boom, I can watch uh, the London Knights and the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds. I want to watch Prince George Kamloops tonight. You know, I can do that already in the WHL, but, you know, I, I want to watch Halifax, things like that, right? Uh, so that would be really cool. Plus, the price on the WHL one anyway was ridiculously high, especially when you compare it to the American Hockey League. So hopefully it uh, is a better service and uh, for a better price and more value. That's what you need to give hockey fans these days. Uh, you know, there's a lot of options for the entertainment dollar. And I'm not talking about going to live games because I still think that's a great, unique experience. I'm talking about at home. You know, am I going to stream this hockey game or am I going to watch something on Netflix or Crave or uh, Amazon or whatever? Or am I going to go to a movie or whatever it might be? Download something. You got to make it affordable and you got to make it a good product. So hopefully that will happen. And then there was a, just a smattering of CHL uh, import signings this week. So as mentioned, if it happened after Tuesday and it was big news, unfortunately, I'm uh, sitting around a uh, campfire having uh, s'mores right now. Here he is, the director of scouting for TSN, former GM of the Calgary Flames, and a Stanley Cup champion with the Dallas Stars. Plus, he's a sharp-dressed man with a heart of gold and a passion to match it, Craig Button. Here are the player vitals this week. Top shelf talent, Tim Stutzla, a center and left winger from Mannheim. Uh, was born in uh, Viersen, Germany, 6 feet, 187 pounds. In 41 games in the DE DEL, he had 7 goals, 27 assists for 34 points, and he is ranked number 2 on Craig's list. In the next wave, Oliver Ocular, a left winger from Lethbridge, uh, played in Lethbridge, is from Trenton, Slovakia. Six foot one, 192 pounds. He's been through the draft twice. 53 games, 33 goals, 35 assists, 68 points last year. Ranked 63rd on Craig's list. Also, Ryan O'Rourke in the next wave, a left defenseman, plays for Sault Ste. Marie, is from Pickering, Ontario. 6'2, 180 pounds. In 54 games, he put up seven goals, 30 assists. And for 37 points, and he is 53rd on the Craigslist. And your hint in time machine, Hobie Baker Award winner. Pocket picks his pocket. In on Fane, the shot he Let's check out some top shelf talent. Off the bar and in over the glove hand. Another rifle shot up to the upper right hand. That's a beautiful goal right there. Holy smokes. Top shelf. As we explore first round potential. From the Halifax Mooseheads, Nathan McKinnon. McKinnon through traffic. McKinnon goes down the shot. Craig, we are uh, rising 
up the list with uh, one of uh, the more intriguing players in this draft. Ranked number two, played in Man- Mannheim. Um, I think he's been mostly a left winger, but does play some center. And we're talking about Tim uh, Stutzla, and I hope I pronounced that uh, correctly. But for you, Craig, why is he ranked number two in the draft? Okay, so just quickly, you pronounced it perfectly. So Thank that's you. correct. He's always been a center up until this season. Okay. Time. You know, moving up to the to the uh, the DEL. I mean, they moved him over to the wing to try to ease his transition into that uh, a league, a very demanding league, and he, he did very well. And I think more than that, he really showed uh, how adaptable he is. And, you know, I think that Tim, whether he's a centerman or he ends up playing left wing, uh, you get down to the evaluation of his skills and his attitude. What, what stands out for me with Tim is his creativity and his imagination. You, you need the requisite skills. You, you need the hands. You need the ability to skate and pivot and the, the quickness and everything that goes with it, and he certainly has that. But that brain, that, that imagination, that creative brain allows him to do so many things in the game. And, you know, when you, when you watch him play – and and what I one of the many things I love about him is he does he always sees opportunity in things he sees things that uh, that he feels he can accomplish that he feels that he can create and you know when you, when you work with a a big canvas and you have a wide view of what the possibilities are you know you can create some real uh, significant uh, offense in, in the game and that's exactly what he does he reminds me so much of Patrick Kane in that ability. You know, he, he's going to hold the puck. He's going to make plays. He, and you got when you're playing with Tim Stutzla, you better be ready. Cause even though you may not think he can make the play, he thinks he can. And, and he's ready to make that play. Uh, a second part of his game that I absolutely love. And a lot of players develop this at, at this age. A lot of players don't have it. Obviously some of the best players, Crosby, Peter Forsberg had this at this age. They weren't waiting for the game to tell them what they could do. They took the game by the scruff of the neck, and they said, better be ready for me because I'm starting, and here's where we go. And he's got this commanding, demanding presence on the ice of, I'm not here to fiddle with the dials. I'm here to make a difference. And who's in? Because if you're not in, I'm going to leave you behind. And, and, And I just love that aspect of his personality and his approach to playing. So when you go back to his early teens, like he played as a 13-year-old in the U16 lead, put up some great numbers. His numbers as a 16-year-old were a full point per game better than what Leon Dreisaitl accomplished in his 16-year-old season in that uh, uh, German uh, junior league. He was drafted by Seattle in the WHL. Uh, He at one point was going to go to university. What kind of success do you think he would have had had he played in the WHL this year? He would have had 200 points. That's what he would have had. I mean, what he did in the in the German Pro League as a 17-year-old, he turned 18, right? That's a hard, demanding league. It is so much better than the Western Hockey League. So, you know, when, when you think about that type of elite player, that type of, uh, 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 of, of the skill that he brings to the game, I mean, he, he would have dominated. He would have been a dominant player uh, with, with respect to, being able to produce against lesser competition. And, and that's just as simple as it is. And, you know, when he, when he was the rookie of the year in the, in the German League, Ben Smith, his centerman, who had played in the NHL, won a Stanley Cup, you know, when he was, when he was signed with Mannheim, they told him, you know, we're going to put this 
Tim Stutzler. He's a really promising young player. We're going to have him play left wing, you know. And Ben Smith is thinking, oh, isn't this great? i got to break in a rookie. He quickly realized and recognized that Tim Stutzler was going to help Ben Smith be a lot better player, and all he had to do was do his part. That's exactly what he did. And that's, that's, the, that's the ability that Tim has. You know, we, we, we talk about great athletes picking up a particular sport. I have no doubt in my mind Tim Stutzler would be a, a, a heck of a soccer player if he took up soccer in Germany, which is a, a huge national sport. Though. He took up hockey, and that's hockey's good fortune. He, he, he is ultra-elite player. And when I compare somebody to Patrick Kane in terms of the way they play, that tells you a lot about uh, you know where he where his standing is as a young prospect. And he could end up being the highest uh, picked German player. So how does he use his skating to his advantage? Is he a guy? And and I've watched a little bit of YouTube highlights, but you, you don't get the full picture from a, a YouTube video. Does he blow past guys, or is he more of a weave in and out uh, like like uh, Patrick Kane kind of does? Well, what I will tell you is this, Dean, is is that the the most difficult thing about playing against uh, Tim Stutzla is he will do whatever the situation requires. You know, so, you know, so you, you might be expecting him to blow past and he holds up and he creates space. And when you, when you try to close that space, he blows past you. He, he, he is both fast and quick and agile uh, to go along with those two elements. So when you consider the way he plays the game and, and the, the key for, for Tim is his brain. His brain processes at, at, at an incredibly fast rate. So there's a lot of players, Dean, that can skate fast and have good hands, but the brains can't process at that right. rate. His brain processes everything. So when he sees you're a little bit off balance, boom, he goes to another gear. When he sees that you're going to try to play off of him, he uses another area of the ice to take advantage. And that's why I say when you're playing with Tim as a teammate, you better be ready for play because he's going to create opportunities because of his skill, because of his brain, and then you've got to be ready to take advantage of it. And, you know, that's, that's something that becomes very intimidating for defenses and for defenders because you never know what to expect. And because he's fast, and because he's quick, and because he has hands, and I think, like, you know, the goals, he didn't score a lot of goals, but I have no doubt in my mind he's going to score goals and yeah. he's going to score a lot of goals. And at the end of the day, that's what makes him so threatening. That's what makes him so intimidating is you don't know what to expect because the top players are able to swing the game into their favor. They're able to put opponents back on their heels and take them out of their strengths. That's why I think Tim is, is, is such an outstanding player and an outstanding prospect. Well, and, and some of the things that I've seen, like he creates offense, obviously, in the offensive zone with his playmaking ability, but he creates offense from his own zone in sort of the breakout. He, he uh, Some of the plays that... And the and the passes that he was making were, were so impressive. And and you really maybe you can't put a guy some guys you can put in a box. Well, this is a goal scorer, he's a shooter, it's a shooter. Like you said, while he might not have a lot of goal stats, he you could just tell that he's a bit of a hunter out there and that he just finds the right spot to be in, whether that's to put the puck away or to, to get it and, and set up another guy really quickly. He just he always seems to be floating in those areas that he needs to be in. I love your word, Hunter. I think that that's a really appropriate word to use to describe Tim. And, you know, one, one of the things, too, we watch what he does. You, you talk about his record. 
you know, playing up age groups when he was younger, you know, the 17 year old turning 18 in the DEL and, and the success he had was pretty impressive. So now what I say is now imagine that as he moves uh, to the NHL and he's going to be playing with better players, with more highly skilled players, with players that are going to be able to take even greater advantage of a skill set. Because the level is so much higher in the NHL. That, to me, is, is what should excite the team that drafts them and their fans. Because when he gets with better players, he's going to be that much better. Is there any glaring weakness that he really needs to work on? And do, when do you think, uh, you know, is this a guy that might need some time in the AHL? Is he going to spend some more time uh, in Europe? Or is he NHL ready, do you think? Well, uh, to answer your last question, I, I think Tim is one of the very few players that is capable of coming to the NHL in the 2020-2021 season and being able to contribute. I'm not talking wear a jersey and play. I'm talking contribute. I, I do think that he is one of the one of the very few, along with Lafreniere, along with Marco Rossi, that, that I think can do that. Now, when you ask me what his learned weakness is, he ends up on a team that makes the playoffs. Uh, he, he's going to have a tough time growing a playoff series. That, that, that would be his learned <laughs> weakness at this point in time. <laughs> All right. Well, that tells me a lot. And and, and quickly, uh, Craig, just the, the strength of the German hockey program. I mean, they almost won an Olympic gold medal. Uh, they'll likely have uh, the Hart Trophy winner this year. At least he'd get my vote. And now a possible top two pick. What has caused the improvement? Well, I, I, I think that uh, the DEL and, and specific teams, like if we look at Mannheim, they have a really good uh, junior program, a development program. So, what was happening, and, and, and I don't care where you're at in development in any sport, you need young players to not only have the opportunity to play and develop, but to have the proper development. And then and as they progress, to have opportunity. Now, the DEL didn't always provide that opportunity. You know, the, you know you're running a, a professional league. You're trying to ensure that your teams can be economically viable. And how do you do that? By winning. How do you win? By trying to bring in players from around the world. That's what they did. but. In, in, in certain cases, and it's certainly not all the way through the DEL, but certainly more so than it, than it was, is you have these organizations that are developing at a young age, but also providing the opportunity. And and I think that, you know, opportunity uh, begets further opportunity when you take advantage of it. So, you know, Leon came over and played in the in the WHL, but J.J. Paterka, Lucas Reichel, uh, Tim Stutzla, Moritz Seider, you know, they all stay back. And now that gives, uh, that gives impetus not only for young kids to understand, hey, we can, we can do this, but also for the teams to say, hey, we can keep our players and we can develop them. And the, as I said, you get good athletes playing a sport, they're going to be good in that sport. But you got to give them uh, the encouragement and, and the proper development. I think that those are steps that, that have been really important for German hockey players to, to be able to advance. Time for the next wave. Score! Braden Point got it done. 35 seconds into overtime. There are great players. Ryan O'Reilly, come get the Smythe Trophy. Superstars. Puck up three, score! Bergeron, who tied the game and won it in even Hall of Famers after the first round. Becky scores! Becky got it high! Four nothing! Oh, baby! 
On to the next wave now, and uh, the first player we're going to talk about is a uh, left-winger from uh, the Lethbridge Hurricanes, ranked 63rd on the Craigslist, Oliver Ocular. And he had okay numbers with Sherbrooke in the QMJHL two years ago. Lands in Lethbridge last year, drafted again in the import draft, doubles his goal production, added more than 25 points to his previous numbers. What was the biggest reason for his improvement, Craig? What what I would say is just uh, two things. Number one, you know, a, a maturity in his game, you know, and, and, and acclimating to, to an entirely new culture and, and, and an entirely new, a different way of playing hockey. And, you know, you come in, you dip your toe in the water, you have a little bit of success, you know, and certainly Oliver had some success and a player that's been watched for a number of years. But he comes over to Lethbridge and, and you could just see it. You could just see the confidence that he had in his game. Watching him at the World Junior this year, I mean, Slovakia, you know, they stayed in games. They didn't have the depth in, in, in their group to be able to, to really, uh, you know, sustain it for the entire course of the game. But Oliver was always right in the thick of things, right in the middle of things. He, he wanted to be that lead horse. And, you know, I think that based on the success he was having with Lethbridge in the Western Hockey League, now he goes to the World Junior, a best-on-best best tournament. He has success there. He just continuously kept building on it. He, he, he's got a thickness to him in, 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 in the way he plays the game and, you know, the understanding of, uh, of how to use his skill and use his size to, to be able to be effective. And he can shoot the puck, he can make plays. But, but I just, uh, in the span of a year, two years now from Sherbrooke into Lethbridge, I, I just see a player that just became more confident more productive, more confident, even more productive. And, and, and he just settled into to being a really good player. And, you know, when you consider that all players do not move along the same development path, and then you consider him coming over from Slovakia and, you know, trying to find his way. And I know Sherbrooke really liked him. I, I know talking to Jocelyn Thibault, but they had the opportunity to get Samuel Halabu, mm-hmm. uh, the goaltender, and that's why they that's they had to drop Oliver. Well, give Peter Anhold and the Lethbridge Hurricanes massive uh, credit for for recognizing that there was a player out there that could come in their lineup and 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 be really strong. So, you know, it wasn't even a case of Oliver uh, not being liked by Sherbrooke. Does uh, that wasn't the case? And certainly, Lethbridge took advantage of of, of that of that what I would call that acclimatization period that allowed him to come over to Lethbridge and be a really good player for them. Yeah, it's not often uh, you can draft a a player in the import draft that is already experienced in the Canadian Hockey League. So it, it, it worked out beneficial for, for Lethbridge. And listen, you know, we, we talk about this as the next wave. Well, this this could be, you know, whatever the second, third, fourth, fifth round, or even past the draft and signed as a free agent. Players, as you mentioned, take all kinds of paths. And this is a guy who has been through the draft. I think, is it twice he's been through the draft? Yeah. Or, yeah. So, yeah. So last episode, we discussed Carter Savoy in this segment and how he has a pretty lethal shot. Um, you know, from what I've read, Oliver has a pretty good shot as well. At least he likes to shoot the puck a lot. Well, he does shoot the puck, but... You know, the ability to shoot the puck and also drive with the puck opens up other opportunities for him. And again, the maturity of a player's game takes on different forms. So, you know, when, when you're eight, when you're a younger player and you can, you're bigger, you're quicker, you have a good, you can drive. You, and, and now all of a sudden, 
you know, you're having success, but you move up the levels and it becomes harder to do that. Yet you still try those things. And th- th- that's where you got to adapt and learn. And, and I think that's what Oliver did. So now he would drive and he would understand, okay, that place closed. Why am I going to continue to pursue that path? I'm going to back off a little bit and I'm going to make a play. Or I'm going to circle back and hold the puck and, you know, reset here. Or I'm going to take that shot a little further out when I have the opportunity. What I saw with Oliver was just a, a really significant improvement in, in him being able to take his attributes and apply them to the game in multiple ways. You know, players all come with skill sets and everything, and sometimes you, you hear me use this term, oh, he's a one-trick pony. Well, sometimes that one trick is good enough to get you there. Mm-hmm. That is not that is not that is not often the case. You need to you need to round out your game. You need to add other elements. It doesn't mean you lose that significant attribute or significant two attributes, but you got to round out your game. That's what I saw with Oliver. And and so when when you watch him, and you know, you we talked earlier about what players might be ready. To, Oliver's ready to turn pro, in my view. He's got a, he, he he's twenty. He's got an older. He's got a mature body. He's got that uh, understanding of, of how to take advantage. And I think that, you know, if, if whoever drafts him, I, I don't see him going through the draft in any way, shape, or form. And, you know, now he now the team can sign him and get him playing in, in the American Hockey League if they, if they deem that that's a good place for him. I, I think he's ready to take that step. So you're not just drafting. You know, a lot of players you draft at 17 or 18 or 18 years of age, you're going, okay, where will he be in 20? We already know where Oliver's at at 20. Get him on his pro career. I, I, I think he's ready to take that step. What is the one thing that is, you know, has prevented him, do you think? Is it skating? Is it defensive awareness? Is, you know, is there a part of his game that has held him back? What I would say, uh, uh, Dean, is, is that it's not, it's not, I would think that confidence, and, and I'm not saying that he lacked confidence, you're not sure. You're not really sure. You, you, you know, Slovakia hasn't had a good run of success. You know, they're, they're in international play, whether it be the U18 or U20, they fall into a category where they're the seventh, eighth, ninth place. That's usually where they fall into. And, you know, you, and now you start to compete against better competition. And, you know, it's harder. And, and I think he just had to kind of, you know, get his feet wet. I, I really do. I don't think there was anything. That, that held him back other than the fact that, you know, he, he had to take these steps. He had to show that he could meet the next challenges. And the reason he didn't get drafted, in my view, was he didn't show enough. And it wasn't that he didn't have some attributes. It was that he didn't show enough. Well, I think he's clearly done that now. And just because he didn't show enough doesn't mean he was capable of showing more. He, he, he was at a stage of development where he was where he was. And I think he, he did the best he could with where he was. But now, it's about advancing. It's about getting yourself better. And I think that Oliver is out. Like, I think he's done that in an exceptional manner. Craig joins us on the UFFS hotline. You can get in the scouting game with the Ultimate Franchise Fantasy Sports platform. I am a team owner, but I have to get my prospects somewhere, and scouts 
You can, uh, you know, put your knowledge to the test, make a little side money and provide players. Check it out at uffsports.com where you own the game. All right. The second player in uh, the next wave is Ryan O'Rourke, a a defenseman from Sault Ste. Marie ranked 53. Uh, I've seen him a little bit higher on some other lists, Craig. What are you seeing in his game that maybe prevents him from being in the ranked in the top 40 on your list? Yeah, I don't think he has any uh, what I would call high-end attributes. He's a smart player. He's a good skater. He passes the puck well. So, so what he would be is, is a player that does uh, a, a lot of things pretty good, mm-hmm. but nothing exceptionally well. And, and you listen, there's a lot of players in the National Hockey League that do things pretty good. And if they did things exceptionally well, they'd be at another level uh, in their play. But, you know, the, the NHL is made up of a lot of different players. I, I don't see, I see Ryan as just a, a steady, efficient, a word I would use, efficient, the, the ability to understand what play needs to be made. He does it in, in, in a manner that doesn't come with a lot of fanfare, doesn't come with a lot of notoriety. But, but if you want to be a successful team, you need players that can make those plays. And we can call them simple plays or, you know, effective plays. You got to be able to make them. And, and Ryan does. But from a size point of view, there's nothing, no exceptional quality. From a skill point of view, there's no exceptional quality. But that steadiness, that evenness, that uh, that, that ability to do the things that are necessary in a game, and you're gonna like the coach is gonna have to put him in the right situation. He's not a top pair defenseman. He's not a number one. I don't see him as a number three. But can he be a number four, number five defenseman? Absolutely he can. And you look at other players that have been able to to take that and advance it. You give them the right support, the right complimentary players. He can be that. And, you know, I get those questions too, being, oh, you don't have them high enough. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe I don't. We'll see if I have them high enough. Maybe I have them too low. Maybe I, maybe I, maybe I don't have them low enough. I don't know. I, I don't see him as a player that's not capable of contributing at the National Hockey League level, but Let's just understand that, like, you know, the elite players have elite skills. And I don't see any elite skills with Ryan. Well, the, you know, listen, every player is different. Every scout, every, you know, people have their own opinions. And, and that's why it, it, it's such a great debate. And 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 you're right. Uh, you know, if the NHL was only filled with skilled players, there'd be one round in the draft and you would draft only skilled players. But, you know, there's six defenseman slots in on a team and, and somebody's got to fill those roles. And not everybody is a superstar. But what I do like about him is, um, he was uh, he was named captain at a, a pretty young age. How much stock would you put into that as a team if you were deciding to draft him? Yeah, you know what? That's a great question. And I, I, I think, Dean, it also goes back to everybody looks at it differently, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, I, what, what I would say in the case of, of a young player like that is it, it, it's a good sign of, of, of his leadership. It's a good sign of how he's viewed by the coaching staff and, and, and the team. And, you know, you get those experiences of leadership under your belt at a younger age. Uh, I think that that, that that benefits you down the road. But, and, 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 and this, is a, this is a capital B-U-T, but. You know what? Evaluate the player for what his attributes are and what you think he's going to be as a player. Because there's lots of great leaders out there that are young players. And just because they're great leaders and doesn't mean that they have the attributes to play in the National Hockey League. And you got to be really careful with that. And you, what I would say is you have to weight it appropriately. Look at it as a benefit of where he's at. Look at it as a benefit of 
okay, he's developed these parts of his, uh, of, 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 of his personality where he's viewed in that and it's been recognized as that. But if you can't skate, you can't make a play, and you can't think, you don't compete, I don't care what a great leader you are, it ain't going to make a difference. Where we're going, we don't need roads. Hop into the tracking the draft time machine. Get the puck on the move. He reminds me so much of James Neal. I think he's a better goal scorer than Billy Garrett. He's the best goal scorer in the draft. And let's see what we can learn from a past player when looking at this year's crop. <laughs> plays like John Carlson. So what do those guys do? They're able to make the plays in the offensive zone. Like Brock Besser, he's got the deadly accuracy. Nikita Kucherov immediately came to mind when I saw him play two years ago. Craig, we are taking a trip back in time. You teased me with the words Hobie Baker Award. I really am excited about today's time machine. Okay, so should I start with the time machine player or should I start with the player I'm going to compare him to? Let's start with, let's go back in time first. Okay, I'm going to take you back to what draft year was it? 19, uh, 1994, I believe. It was the 1994 NHL draft. Well, a lot of people knew about this player. A lot of people knew about this player from a different sport. How do you like that one? Mm. He, uh, he won the Little League World Series as a pitcher for Fairfield, Connecticut. Chris Drury. <laughs> and <laughs> when you watched him play, you know, you, you, you know, you've asked me a number of times, and we've talked over the years, Dean, uh, and you watch players uh, you know, for a long period of time. And you look at players and you go, okay, what's your weakness? What's his learning weakness? What, what, what areas do they have to improve in? So when you watch the game, and if you just wanted to look at the, at the skills of Chris Drury, he wasn't big. He didn't have a hard shot. He didn't dazzle you with his stick handling. He wasn't a, a fast skater or an explosive skater. But as you continue to watch games and you continue to watch Chris Drury, he was always in the middle of everything positive happening. Everywhere on the ice, he, 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 was, he, he was a catalyst for all good things happening at, at every point. So you sit there and go, oh, how did he end up being a third-round draft pick? And, you know, well, it's because so much was put into the evaluation of the skills. And Chris is the perfect example of these two things, that the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. I mean, what he put all the things together, you know, he great competitor. And, 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 and exceptional hockey set and dialed in at every moment in time. And, you know, the, the other part of that too was every, every team he was part of, he made better. Every player he played with, he helped bring out the best in that player. And, and those are qualities, you can call them intangibles, you can call them whatever you want, but they matter. And they're really, and that's what Chris demonstrated. So he wins the Holy Baker with BU. He comes into the National Hockey League. Rookie of the Year wins the Stanley Cup. I traded for him in Calgary. He immediately made our team better, and, and he made everybody around him better. It wasn't—he he didn't have this big, you know, outlandish, brash personality. He just went to work, and you could count on him every single day. I will tell you this, Dean, and this is just a Daryl Sutter took over for me as general manager, and he traded Chris Drury. It was a big mistake. And I'll tell you what—I have the firm belief that Calgary. Would have won the Stanley Cup in 2004 if they had Chris Drury. And I'm going to tell you why. They never had an answer 
for Brad Richards, who mm. was the Conn Smythe Trophy winner. They were able to match Conroy up against the Calvier. They did not have the player to go head-to-head with Brad Richards. I think if Calgary has uh, Chris Drury, they win the Stanley Cup. That's my opinion. I'll leave it at there. Now, I've, I've waxed on about Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Sean Farrell of the Chicago Steel. And I'm telling you, Peter Fish, his agent, uh, we were at the uh, at the USHL Fall Classic in September. And I've watched Sean. He played two years with that fabulous 01 group with the National Team Development Program, Jack Hughes, Cole Caulfield, Alex Turcotte, that entire group. And uh, we're, we're at the tournament, and so I met, I met Sean's dad. And Peter says, he goes, you know, Craig, does, does he remind you of Chris Drury? And I looked at Peter, and I said, I had never thought about it until you just mentioned it. And so how I just described Chris is Sean. Play him left wing. Play him with the top player. Play him here. Play him there. He makes everybody better because he's so exceptionally smart and he's so exceptionally competitive. And you, you, you start to look at Sean, oh, he doesn't do this, or he's not tall, or he doesn't have this blazing shot. But wherever, you, wherever he plays, he's on top teams. Wherever you play him, he helps those players be better. And I'm going to be straightforward with you. Uh, like I'm, going to, I'm going to do a final, final list prior to the draft on October 8th, 9th, 9th, 10th, whatever it is. John Farrell's going up my list because I have, uh, that's the thing as I've evaluated, I haven't given him enough due for the whole being greater than some of the parts. That's interesting. And, and, and I think that's uh that's a, a, you know, there, there are cases where, you know, you could talk about, well, this player doesn't do anything exceptional. And then when you add it up, it's, you know, it's, it's very average, but then there's a player where you're like, He's good, 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 good. And you add it all up and you have a, um, you know, a potential top line player um, in, in Chris Drury. Now, where is the future uh, for Farrell is, you know, he, he played in the USHL. What's his next move? He's going to Harvard University. Oh, wow. And I think, <laughs> and I think for Sean, you know, go, going and allowing, allowing that maturation process to continue, you know, will be really beneficial for him. I mean, he's made, he made that decision and, that's where that, that that's where he he wants to go and and play and you know that'll be close to home in New England and I think that that's the, that's his next steps but I think he'll do the exact same thing at Harvard that he did for the Chicago Steel that he did for the USA National Team Development Program he'll be a he'll be a really good player and he'll help the team be successful and whoever he plays with he'll he'll he'll, he'll help them be the best players they can be and and I think that you know when I say help a player be the best they can be. You know, that's the complimentary factor. And, you know, and, and, and it's just about saying, hey, listen, I'm going to give you what you need to be the best you can be. And I, I think that comes down to hockey sense. That comes down to understanding what you have to do to help those uh, other players be better. Chris Drury did it. I think Sean Farrell does it as well. And when you're a team looking at drafting a guy like Sean Farrell, and listen, anything, you know, things can change, but he's, you know, he's going to Harvard, you know, as a draft pick, it's going to give him time to develop. You're not going to be rushed uh, to sign him until he's ready to come out of school. That's really enticing. I would think from a, a hockey organization, having that flexibility with this prospect. Couldn't agree with you more. I mean, the vast majority of players need that time to mature and to grow and develop. And so he's going to get it. I mean, Teddy Donato is a really strong coach at Harvard. They have a really good program. And, 
you know, for, for Sean to go there. The, the other thing I would say about Sean, Sean's played with top players. He played with Jack Hughes and Cole mm-hmm. Caulfield and Trevor Zegras and all those top players. He's played with top players with the Chicago Steel. So playing with top players isn't something that, 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 that puts him kind of in awe or intimidates him or anything. It's like, I belong here too. I know what my job is and I know what I contribute. But I'm important to this team, and I'm gonna and I'm gonna show you my importance not only by what I do, but in how I help everybody else be good and ultimately the team be successful. Sean has that, and I and that's what Chris Dury had. And and I think it's important something you said there too uh, as we wrap up is that you know I know what I'm good at. Uh, you know, the, you know there, there's a there's a problem when a player tries to do too much and gets out of uh, um, you know what they're good at. Um, you know, the, the the what's the the saying uh, when a crusher tries to be a rusher, he becomes an usher or something like that. And yeah, that's um, the saying. You know, this is a you know it sounds like this is a guy who's like yeah, I know exactly what I'm good at. I'm going to do that. I'm going to compliment the players, but I'm not going to try to go end to end top shelf or whatever it is yeah and just because you did it at younger ages right, right. And like you know dean you and i have you seen it players that were taught like the nhl drafts players that have been the top players at the levels below them but now you're going up a level so understanding what you are what your skills are what your attributes are how you contribute are really significant you know when i was with nhl teams and we would work with young players we would try to talk to them about okay and we called it your calling card What's your calling card? You know, on, on, on your business card, you know, it says uh, Dean Millard, president and CEO, right? And, mm-hmm. and so, okay, he's the president, he's a leader, this is what he does. Or it says, uh, you know, vice president of marketing, right? And, or vice president of sales. So, you, you, okay, he's sales, he's marketing, okay, he's the overall leader. It's the same thing with a hockey player. What's your calling card? What, 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 are the, what are the two or three things that identify you as a player? And, you know, we we sit down with the players. We try to help them understand how we see it. We try to help. Uh, we we would try to understand how they see it, and then work together and try to focus in uh, to to really zero in and hone in that area of their games that they can make uh, uh, and establish themselves in. And that's why we call it the calling card. And I think that that's what players uh, have to know. And there's a lot of players that because they were one thing at one level. They never figure out what they need to be at the next level, and that's why they don't make it. A hundred percent. Great stuff, Craig. Hockey is back pretty soon. We're going to be watching five games a day, and we're going to be still tracking the draft. Have yourself a great weekend. I will have a great weekend. You have a great weekend also. All right. Thank you so much to uh, Craig Button, the uh, director of scouting for TSN. You can find his Craigslist at tsn.ca. And I love going back in time. And, you know, Craig put it out there. He thought the Flames would win in 04 with Drury. And in the next little while, we're going to give you Craig's counsel, where Craig will give you some scouting tips. This will be especially important for those in the scouting program with Ultimate Franchise Fantasy Sports or for anyone who aspires to be a scout. If you have a specific question, email me, trackingthedraft at gmail.com. We'll add it to the list of topics when we do Craig's counsel. And if you have a question in general for Craig about a particular prospect, send it my way as well. We'll add it to the list when we have that player up for discussion. Time to flex your brain and answer this draft-related trivia question. Well, we're waiting. You want answers? 
Pay attention now. So you're telling me there's a chance. Can you dig it? Hands up with answers. Thank you. Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. Yeah! Trivia question this week. Who was the first German hockey player drafted in the NHL? Uh, first player from Germany drafted in the National Hockey League. As if Craig's prediction is true, they'll have a, a new personal best when it comes to highest pick, number two overall, if that's the case. So uh, hit me up, uh, trackingthedraft at gmail.com or on Twitter at Duck Millard uh, as well. Thank you very much. Hope you enjoyed this episode this week. If you did, uh, please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts and leave us a review. Let us know what you think of the show. If you'd like to be a part of the program as an advertiser, we have lots of room available and we have some great options. Hit me up, trackingthedraft at gmail.com. Thanks very much to Craig Button for his time. Thank you for listening to Tracking the Draft with Craig Button. The stars of tomorrow are discovered here. Talk next week.